Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Amen. Well, thank you, Juliana. And uh, we're going to think about and talk around that idea uh, this morning as we think about the fifth antidote for weariness, a celebration of smallness. And so while you're kind of getting settled in to think about that, uh, I want to just remind you of a couple of things. Uh, right after this service, uh, our children are going to do a new thing this weekend. Uh, and uh, Pastor Sean is going to go live with our kids at 1130. So be ready for that. I, I think we got a guest appearance by Sock and Drawing with Sock. So uh, just uh, uh, be sure that the kids are around and ready for that and uh, are a part of that. And then I just also wanted to mention the whole idea about the Red Cross blood drive. They contacted us to say, uh, as you can imagine, in the middle of this pandemic, uh, donations have completely dropped to nothing and uh, uh, still very much needed. And so they've approached organizations like ours to say, could you activate some of your people? We'll only have so many slots. We're doing it two different days. We would love to fill up every one of those slots uh, they're also going to test for antibodies for COVID. That's a part of it. So if you want to donate some blood, get tested for the antibodies, that's all part of that. But we want you to take advantage of that and serve our community uh, in that way. And I think it's a great testimony to get involved in such a practical way. I, I, I reflect on this. When Jesus is speaking the Sermon on the Mount, he comes to the moment to talk about prayer. And in it he says that people sometimes pray... And they think that their prayers will be heard because there are many words, because they say so much. And then he says, so when you pray, you should pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think about when you hear those words? I mean, it's become such a part of the fabric of the community of faith. Uh, uh, it stretches across denominations. It stretches across of all of the persuasions of the church. And we say it in such rote repetition. I, I, I wonder if we slow down for a moment and say, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, be sure you're praying and thinking this way. You're Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus speaks in another place and says, the kingdom of God is near. And I wonder in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of all the craziness going on and the politics and the divisiveness of our country and, and, and the pain that's going on around the world, how many, how many of us would think that the kingdom of God is near? Or even breathe the prayer to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. I think we've begun to think that maybe someday there is a heaven and when we die then we can realize, but, but Jesus is quite specific. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think sometimes when we get into that mindset, if we just stopped and said, what does that mean to me? In what way? Am I just waiting for God to drop his kingdom? Is there some responsibility I share? If the kingdom is near, how do I celebrate it? How do I bring it into reality? How do I capitalize on whatever that looks like? And so we're thinking about that in this celebration of smallness. In these weeks, we've talked about the teachings of Jesus, and, and we've talked about four steps, four antidotes towards uh, a remedy for weariness. We talked about the yoke, 
We talked about the test. We talked about the healthy stretch. And we talked last week about the environmental makeover. Now, I throw them out there because I'd like to know if uh, any of those ring a bell, if you can even remember. Uh, the yoke, come to me, all you who are weary and heaven burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. There's a yoke involved, getting into the yoke. I wish that the antidote for weariness was just taking a nap. But in kingdom life, it means getting into the yoke and partnering with Jesus. And then step two, the test. Why do you try to get the speck out of your brother's eye when, you're trying, when you have a plank in your own eye? Don't judge. Uh, and so we talked about that reality of what it means to deal with our own issues and to look at our own things. And then the healthy stretch, we're not just trying to patch some things up. We're asking God to remake us. How do we handle all the changes going on in the world and in the culture without becoming overwhelmed? We get flexible. We ask God to create new wineskins so we can house the kingdom, the power, and also the diversity and the struggle that's going on in our world. And then last week we talked about the fact that we're not in the fruit business, we're in the soil business, and what that looks like to have an environmental makeover. And today we talk about this fifth antidote, the celebration of smallness. Now, it would seem to me that there are obligatory quotes that we have to have at the beginning in order to sort of talk about this topic. So here they are. You need to stop and smell the roses. Enjoy the present. As the name implies, it is a gift. Count your blessings. Some of us cannot see the forest for the trees. Now, I don't know about you, but we needed to get those out of the way. And I'm not saying that I don't like them, but I do think most of you have probably lowered your expectations uh, about this little conversation. Because sometimes the weariness of our hearts needs something a little more potent than a little proverb that would encourage us to just count our blessings or to just smell the roses or to just think of the present as a gift. Something doesn't necessarily connect with us. If we keep those things in mind, but we push just a little farther, I think we can engage in some bigger truth, something deeper, something that really resonates at another level. I need to be reminded that smallness is not an escape from reality. Grasping the smallness of the things that are happening around me is not an escape from reality, it is an embrace of reality. And it matters. And it has significance. I have to remind myself that life does not exist out there. It doesn't exist in future time. It doesn't exist in future circumstances. It doesn't exist in future dreams. Life exists right here, right now, in my present. I, I see it vividly with my kids. And I know some of you are in the middle of this reality. But when I think back to what was going on when our kids were small, I, I think about this reality. I think about the fact that, that, that we spent this enormous amount of time, and, and, and you get this, thinking things like this. Well, when they finally start sleeping through the night, it's going to get better. Well, once they're potty trained, life's going to be so much easier. Well, once they learn to take more responsibility, well, once they learn to be more respectful, well, once they learn to be more obedient, 
Well, once they get through this stage of life, I, I, don't you remember? And then, and then sandwiched in there with all of those thoughts about the development of your children, the worry over them, the, the trying to control things, the trying to get some order out of the chaos, there were these other thoughts. Man, we need a better place to live. We need more space. Where's the money going to come from? We, we need to start saving for the future. We've got to put these kids through college at some point. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me that I spend an enormous amount of time in the lives of my children worrying about all kinds of things, about what might be and what needed to be and, and how to move forward in the stress. And, and if you invited me to go back and spend a day with my small children, I would not think about any of those things. I, I would focus on who they are and on the, the, the incredible reality that... that these little children are going to grow up, and they're not going to be these little children anymore. They're going to be something else. Now, I know that if you're in the middle of that, you're still going to have to deal with the kids up in the night and not enough rest. And some of you have expressed this week, you, you can't even tune in and share in a service because the kids uh, need you. And I just think it illustrates that for a lot of us, we haven't slowed down. We haven't settled into a celebration of the smallness of life. We're always trying to solve it. We're always trying to fix it. We're always trying to get it to be everything it could possibly be. And then we're going to celebrate life and what it means and what it looks like. I think Jesus is reminding us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we are to engage this kingdom every day, every moment of every day. And I think as I begin to think about those things, it takes me back to a sense of wonder. Here's a couple more quotes. None of us, including me, ever do great things, but we can all do small things with great love and together we can do something wonderful. That's kingdom talk. I love this excerpt from Robert Fulgram's book, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Okay, you with me? Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Here's the list. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't, think, think, don't take things that aren't yours. Say sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Give them to someone who feels sad. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day. Take a nap every afternoon. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the plastic cups? The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why, but we are all like that. And everything you need to know is in there somewhere. And it is still true. No matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it is best to hold hands and stick together. I wonder sometimes if you really stopped and you just said, how long has it been since I had any sense of wonder about life? 
When I started to think about this and I was writing this sermon, it, it made me think about uh, something that happened to me, and one thing led to another, so here it is. It started out for me thinking about uh, seventh grade biology. And in my seventh grade biology class, we did that experiment that you do in biology class where you put the pond water uh, on the slide and you look in, uh, in the microscope and you see all the things that are going on in the pond water. Remember that? And I remember uh, as a seventh grade boy growing up in Texas where there is a lot of water. There is a lot of standing water. There's a lot of rain. There's a lot of water. There's a lot of ditches. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And so for me, in seventh grade, to look through the microscope and see all the things that were swimming around in one drop of that water, and to imagine that in all of that water, in all of those drops, there is so much life happening. It was just, uh, it was kind of a transformational moment for me. I mean, it, it's like this incredible wonder at the world, and it's the way it works. And that got me to thinking about not just my seventh grade biology experiment, but, but my seventh grade biology class. And it got me to thinking about my teacher. And my teacher in seventh grade was a cowboy. No, and, I, and I mean a real cowboy. I mean the whole nine yards. His people, and we say that in Texas, his people. His people were ranchers. And it turns out that they were like the third generation of ranchers. And all those kids had gone out and gotten careers, but they all worked the ranch. And so he, he was a literal cowboy. I mean, he wore Wrangler jeans, he wore cowboy boots to class every day, he had the belt buckle, he wore the hat, and I know you don't know this, but that is not common in Texas. Most people do not dress like that. And it's not that common to encounter real cowboys, but this guy was a real cowboy. And I remember so vividly just kind of his whole demeanor and the way he talked and the way he taught and all of that stuff. But I remember when we were uh, doing an anatomy class, I remember one Monday morning, he walked into class with a giant ice chest. And he plopped it down on the floor and he said, look, we've been talking about all this stuff about biology, but I, I thought I would bring you something that might make it come to life. And we all kind of looked at each other and we go, man, this could get weird. And he said, over the weekend, over the weekend, <laughs> we sent a few steers to market. That's a nice way, a polite way of saying, we invited some of our animals for dinner. And so he said, I thought it would be good for you if I collected some of their internal organs and I brought them for you so you could see them and touch them. And you don't have to just look at a picture of a heart, you can hold one. You don't have to just think about what lungs might look like. You, you, you can actually feel them. And, of course, we were appropriately grossed out. I mean, we were just appropriately, as he, as he opened that ice chest and he began to hold up different parts of the internal organs of these animals, it was just horrible. And yet, slowly but surely, we sort of eased our way forward. And I'm telling you, right now, that was in seventh grade, I can still tell you the textures of what it felt like to touch those pieces of a living animal. And it was wonder. I, I mean, gross, but, but you don't ever get over the fact that something touched you and it was profound and it was big and somehow in it, 
This is going on around me all the time. This is happening all the time. This wonder, this miracle of life is happening. It's an amazing thing to think about. When was the last time you really thought about life with wonder? That you really celebrated smallness? Rachel Frederick writes a blog... It's a business blog called The Well-Balanced Business. She recently wrote an article about why we should celebrate the little things. And I think her words are incredibly profound. She gives us five reasons. Number one, we should celebrate smallness because it makes the journey more fun. We're all busy beyond busy. There's so many life events and hobbies and relationships that consume every day of our lives. And the older I get, the faster time seems to go. So what better way to appreciate all the amazing baby steps, milestones, and moments we encounter every day than by consciously taking a moment each day or at least once a week to write down a list of five amazing things that happen to you or for you or because of you. It just seems profound to me. It seems profound that in the celebration of smallness, that you and I should take a moment and write down five amazing things that happened. She says, it's a total mood booster. It's a smile creator. It's a warm, fuzzy generator. Give it a shot. It helps time slow down for a brief moment. And it seems to me that the antidote for weariness, and don't worry, we're going to get to the words of Jesus in just a minute has something to do with this celebration of smallness. Number two, she says, the celebration of smallness creates memories. Without these little pauses in our lives, our brains don't have time to move these thoughts from short-term memories to long-term memories. As you put in all the hard work and hustle and time and dedication, don't you want, at a minimum, to have a memory of where you are today and what happened? Take a pause Let your brain catch up and process today's little victories. Number three, the celebration of smallness helps you define how far you've come. You can't determine how far you've come if you forget to measure where you are today. Take notice of what you're doing. Take notice of what you're thinking. Take notice of what you're feeling and what you're working on right now. Because in six months or six years, you're going to want to be able to say with conviction, look how far I've come. Today's a new starting point. Take note. Appreciate where you are today. It'll make next year's victories all the sweeter, and you may even notice them. Number four, the celebration of smallness makes other people feel good. You don't have to only celebrate your own little wins. In fact, I highly encourage you to compliment one person every single day. Compliment people in person, compliment them on social media, be kind, and notice other people's tiny wins. It'll make the world a much happier and more successful place to live. Number five, the celebration of smallness starts and ends your day right. We talk a lot about gratitude for good reasons. Starting each day by, by, day by being thankful for what you have positions your brain to look for the good in people, events, and activities throughout your day. Ending your day with a moment of celebration helps your brain relax and move back into a positive space, a space that is so easily lost throughout the day. 
start on a positive note and end on a positive note, it won't be very long before you've trained your brain to automatically act and react with positivity. And so I just want, as you think about those words, I, I, I want you to think about the teachings of Jesus. Let's be honest, most of us want big things. Most of us measure life by the milestones that we accomplish. By the, and, and let's, I'll just be very honest. I, I want my life to matter. I want to have significance. I, I want things to happen that testify to my significance. I, I want to accomplish things and do things so that, that it is noticeable that my life is making some difference. And I would guess that we are all very much like that. We want our voices, our gifts, our abilities, our stories, we want them to matter. And we're walking through life and we're trying to see the, the evidence that our lives are having significance. And we're searching and we're looking. And someone could give each of us a list. Well, here's the things you've done. And we would look at that list and go, well, that's not it. Yes, I, I was a good I was good to my children, so what? Yes, I, I've had a job, yes, I pay the bills, yes, whatever. But where's the big things? Where's the affirmation? Where's the, the sweeping successes? Because we measure like that. And into that thought process, Jesus stands and he speaks these words. Matthew thirteen thirty one: The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, and though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And he told them still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is this small thing. But you have to take the moment to recognize and put it in the ground. And, and the scenario that he creates is this guy went out in his backyard and he planted the seed. He, he doesn't say, and this guy had a giant farm and he was creating a giant industry and he put tens of thousands of seed in the ground. And he grew a great harvest and he became wealthy and famous. He went in his own backyard in a place of obscurity, in a place of privacy, and he put the power of the kingdom to work. He had prepared the soil of his soul and he allowed the seed of the kingdom to be planted and something happened. And that's not a big thing, it's a small thing. It's a small thing. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is near. Do you see it? Do you celebrate it? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that's worked into 60 pounds of flour. Don't you love that illustration? I mean, number one, who is working 60 pounds of flour? 60 pounds. Pounds of flour is a lot. As far as I know, and I bet this isn't true, but as far as I know, there are no conventions 
that are celebrating yeast. There's, there's no, you know, big event where prizes are given out. Yeast is this, it's this afterthought ingredient at some level. It's this very small amount and this massive amount of need. And so Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of God is like. That, that you put in what you feel is this ineffectual little thing. This ineffectual little piece that could not possibly have any impact. That, that in the face of 60 pounds of need, how in the world can this tiny handful of yeast make any difference at all? Except it does. And the bread rises. And life rises. And the people around you rise. And the community rises. And, and the mood rises. And something happens. But when we become so oriented to the result, when we get so focused on the outcome, when we try to measure our significance because of these big things, listen, that will wear out your soul. It will make you weary. I'm guessing that some of you listening to me right now, you, you are searching for significance. You're longing to matter. You're, you're longing for somehow your life to testify to the fact that you have significance. Tony Campolo tells this amazing story. He says that he gets a phone call one day from his mother, and his mother calls and says, Listen, Mrs. Kilpatrick passed away. And Campolo relates that Mrs. Kilpatrick was a woman in their Italian neighborhood in East Philadelphia, and, and he, he, he relates that she's a special woman. She had taken a great interest in the children in the neighborhood and, and in the church community and, and always had candy for them and, and, and took them to concerts and did special things, and it was significant. And so uh, Campolo says, my mom says, you got to go to the funeral, and I wanted to go. I wanted to honor her. And so typically, he said, I, I waited the last minute, and I arrived right on time for the funeral to start and I rushed in and there were several funerals going on and I rushed in and I sat down and I didn't really notice until I sat down that there was only one other person in the room and it was a, a little lady. And as I sort of leaned forward and looked, I realized that the man in the coffin was not Mrs. Kilpatrick. And I thought, oh no, I'm in the wrong place. And I started to get up to go find Mrs. Kilpatrick's service and the woman reached over and grabbed my arm and said, you must have been good friends with him and he said I don't know what you would do but Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said every person needs to learn to lie with a passion and with great vigor and whether or not you agree with Dietrich Bonhoeffer Campolo says in that moment I decided to lie and I said yes we were we were good friends and he said I sat with that little woman as we went through the process of that funeral and then she held my hand and we walked out of that room to the waiting car and we followed the hearse to a cemetery and I stood at the edge of the grave with this woman as some prayers were said and the coffin was lowered and we each threw a flower on the casket and, and we went back to the car and we made our way back to the funeral home and, and as we were getting close to the funeral home I finally turned to the woman and I took her hand and I said, Mrs. King, I have to be honest with you. 
I'm hoping from this day forward we can be friends and, and we can't really be friends unless I tell you the truth. And here's the truth. I didn't know your husband. I'd never met him. I came for a different funeral and, and, and I, I got in the wrong place and I didn't want you to be alone. And he said she became very quiet. He said, I, I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what she would say. I didn't know if she would be angry. And finally, after a few moments, she took my hand and she said, you will never ever know how important it was that you were with me today. And Campolo says, in that moment, there was a realization. I, I write books, I lecture, I speak, I travel, I do all kinds of things. But I don't believe there was a moment in my story where I was more present in the kingdom of God than in being with a woman I didn't know for a man I didn't know. And all I could hear in my head was God saying to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't, don't you think that all of us have similar opportunities and experiences but we're so busy trying to figure out the significance of our story and of our latest post and of the, how many likes we got or, 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 or how we're impacting the journey and the influencing even our own children. But you and I are invited to put the tiny seed in the ground, to, to just sprinkle some yeast. The kingdom of heaven is the small things. It comes slowly because we pay attention to the little things, the little details. And the kingdom comes to life. It's given birth in our homes, in our families, in our relationships, in our friendships. Not because of some great soliloquy we present. Not because of all this wisdom and training and biblical knowledge. It comes because we live the value of the kingdom of God alive on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. The kingdom is near. It's present. It's available. And I wonder in the midst of a pandemic, how many of us have honestly said, Man, I'm focused on something else. Yeah, pandemics, blah, blah, blah. But the kingdom of heaven is near. It's close. In the celebration of smallness, let me just ask you some questions as we wrap up and then we're going to pray together. Will you choose to celebrate smallness? Will you, in the days ahead, make the journey more fun? Will, will you appreciate all the baby steps and milestones and the moments that you encounter every day? Will you watch your words? Will you stop sitting on the sidelines and participate in the fun, participate in the conversation, participate in the moment? Number two. Will you create memories? Will you pause so your brain can move some thoughts from short-term memories to long-term memories? Will you let your brain catch up and process the little victories? Will you take the moment to sit down and write five amazing things that happened to you today or at least this week? 
Will you show kindness and watch for opportunities to care for others? Will you play host or hostess to whomever you meet in whatever circumstances you find yourself? Number three, will you celebrate how far you've come? Will you take notice of what you're doing and what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're working on so that you can celebrate where you're going to be six months from now or six weeks from now or a year from now? Number four, will you make other people feel good? Will you be a person who celebrates your own victories, not just your angst or your losses? And will you celebrate the wins of other people? Will you make an effort to say, this day, today, I'm going to say something good about people around me. I'm going to compliment. I'm going to celebrate. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to let pettiness or competitiveness get in the way. I'm going to make other people feel good. Will you listen to the voices in your own head that have prompted you to make a phone call or send a note or do a kindness for someone? Number five, will you start and end your day right? Will you commit to start each day by being thankful? And will you commit to end each day with a moment of celebration? Will you follow through? Will you really do it? Number six, will you commit to rediscover wonder? Will you commit to just slow down and remember what it is like to be impressed? by the simple things that are around you, there is so much that threatens to take away your joy. There's so much that that threatens to take away your sense of wonder and well-being. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I just want us to close this series out by just praying together. Maybe just a, a moment of guided prayer as we conclude this series and we think about the steps we've been in and what we've been through. And I just want to encourage you, listen, the antidote for weariness is a celebration of smallness. I, 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 I think you know this, but your next post is not going to solve the pandemic. Your next post is not going to relieve the divisiveness in our politics. Your next, your next proclamation is not going to solve it. Clamping down on your kids is not going to fix everything. We're invited to seek, to pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is near. And we're invited to celebrate and participate. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we're so thankful that in these weeks we have gathered around your words and your wisdom has been life and breath and nourishment for our souls and maybe on this Sunday morning as we close out this series there were, would be some that would say I, I need to think again about what it means to step into the yoke I keep wanting to drop out I keep wanting to stop doing things I keep wanting to take a nap but But the antidote for weariness is to get in the yoke and learn from you. And that means commitment. It means having a focus. It means getting in the yoke and pulling 
And maybe that yoke is about celebrating with the family of God and coming together. And I'm so thankful that people have responded and jumped in today and gotten back to being the kingdom of God. Maybe for some of us it's, it's to recognize that we're judging others, that we're, we're all anxious because we keep believing we have to figure it out and make a ruling. Would you remind us that no ruling is required of us? We can't see all we need to see. We can pursue the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And we can trust that that brings an end to racism and an end to injustice. Help us to work on our issues. To get the plank out of our own eye. And to humbly help others who are struggling. And, and maybe we need a healthy stretch. Maybe these old wineskins can't quite take it all in. We're just not elastic enough. We're not flexible enough for all the changes that are happening around us. You invited us not to try to put new wine in old skins, but to let the kingdom come fresh, to let your spirit come fresh and remake us. We're inviting you to give us a healthy stretch in our inner world, in our mind, in our understanding of what's happening around us. Maybe this morning some of us need a, an environmental makeover, relieve the hardness of our hearts, the shallowness that accompanies our worry and stress, the thorns that choke out the peace and grace of God. Remind us that we are in the soil business. We are not in the fruit business. Fruit is your business. And we trust it to you. And then God, would you help us to celebrate smallness? Would you remind us that the kingdom of God is a mustard seed? It's that tiny thing we do in the privacy of our own backyard, in the privacy of our own home and family, in line at the grocery store. When we encounter people, it's that tiny thing, the kingdom coming, bearing life, being yeast into the great need and allowing life to rise and allowing our spirits to rise and inviting your presence in the journey. God, do your work in us. Guide us. And I pray over every life represented right now, I ask that you would bless, protect, guide, and your kingdom come. Your will be done in the lives of those who are listening in these moments. And may we truly be the kingdom of God alive on earth. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. God bless you. I pray that you would go in strength and peace today. Thanks so much for gathering as the body of Christ. Let's go be the kingdom of God. God bless you. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.